How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone and welcome to The Bubbling Adventure, a podcast all about kids and how positive education and conscious parenting can impact their entire life as well as society. Each week we are having conversations with guests on different themes and our aim is to have open discussions, share different points of view and learn in a non-judgmental way. Today we are welcoming Elizabeth Martineau who has a magazine on parenting to talk about what raising children is really like. I love this episode and how we got to talk about how hard the early years are and then what it feels like when the teenagers talk. But also more taboo subjects like blackmail or even spanking. It is very refreshing to hear about Elizabeth's journey and advice. The best way to support this podcast is to subscribe if you haven't already and write a review if you're listening from Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at The Bubbling Adventure for daily positive education content. But without further ado, let's begin. Hi Elizabeth. How are you today? Hi, Julie. I'm fine. Thanks for inviting me. No, thanks for joining. So could you please introduce yourself to the audience? Well, I'm Elizabeth Martineau. Uh, I'm Canadian, actually. I come from Toronto. Uh, so at home, I'm called Liz. But in France, where I live, people call me Elizabeth. And I'm 54 years old. I have three children, three girls, who are 16, 20, and 22. And I'm a journalist, sort of like you, Julie. <laughs> sort of, yes. But you actually have a magazine about uh, children and parenting, all of that. So That's I thought right. it was very interesting. That's right. I edit a magazine. It's a magazine in French. And the French title is L'Enfant et la Vie, uh, Child and Life. I guess we can translate it as that. It was created in 1969. 
by a woman who lived in the north of France and who was a mother of seven children. And she discovered Maria Montessori. Mm -hmm. And that completely changed the way she mothered her children. Her husband as well was quite influenced by this Italian doctor. And so um, she created this magazine to share her discoveries with other parents, to talk about Montessori, but also to talk about what it meant being a mother and a father and what were the real needs of children. And I started writing for this magazine in 2008. In 2014, I became the chief editor. Mm -hmm. And in 2016, I created a company to take on this magazine and develop it a bit more with another journalist, uh, Anne Bido. We work together and it's a magazine that comes out every three months. And we've kept, kept the spirit of this magazine. The readers who've known the magazine for decades tell us that they, they find the same spirit in this magazine. And uh, we have modernized it. We, can, we have a, a website, of course, with some articles online. We sell the magazine. Uh, it's a paper magazine, but we also sell, sell a digital version now. And I guess the, the base, our baseline is understand your child so that you can accompany your child, that you can guide your child a bit. Mm -hmm. And so we basically believe that to understand your child, you have to understand his needs and understand your own needs as well, because it's under, you know, understanding your child is one thing. But sometimes we have reactions that are a bit surprising. And when we become a parent, we, I don't know, I... When I became a parent, in any case, I had the feeling that I was rediscovering the whole world again and rediscovering this world through the eyes of my child, through the eyes of my baby. <laughs> and I had so many questions, so many questions, and I didn't really know uh, where to turn to to find answers. So yeah. before working on the magazine, I had actually created an association for parents so that we could meet once a month and talk about our different questions because I found that I wasn't uh, alone with all my questions, you know. There's a bit of a, a generation gap between our parents and the way I was raised and the way I wanted to raise my children. Mm -hmm. And I was really fascinated. I think that, that I've always been fascinated by children and it was accentuated by the fact that I became a parent. But I've always, I guess I've always had a special place in my heart in some way for children. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's not easy to be a kid. No. <laughs> and it's so much easier for kids to be a kid when they have parents, when they have adults around them that understand them. And so how, how were you raised? Mm. Uh, because <laughs> you said that it was different to how you were raised. So yeah, if you can tell us a bit about your childhood and then... Yeah. The moment where you decided to maybe do different do things differently uh, i have a lot a lot of admiration for my for my parents i mean i criticized them a lot but basically i think they did transmit to me what was essential which is love and confidence but they were quite authoritarian parents my parents were born in poland i grew up in canada like i said earlier and they had this sort of old school type of education where the parent gives orders and the children just have to listen and so when we didn't listen either we would be punished we couldn't watch tv for a few days we couldn't see our friends often i heard my father unbuckle his belt i never received it but i heard it so i grew up in this fear of being locked up in my room not locked up because they didn't use a key but i mean being sent to my room Uh, this fear of being hit, the fear of, the fear of this belt. <laughs> uh, so the fear of my parents. And at the same time, I mean, 
I think they did their best because they didn't study child psychology and they didn't have parents themselves that uh, led them to to think more about consequences of their, their behavior upon their children. And I was really aware of my impact on, on the children, maybe because also I took care of a lot of children before becoming a mother. I worked in schools as well. I taught a little bit. And so I, I really wanted to raise my children in an environment where they weren't afraid of me, where they could really tell me what they wanted, you know, where they didn't, where they weren't, there was no um, blackmail, you know, in French we say chantage, blackmail, mm -hmm. blackmail meaning that if you're good, you're going to have a present. If you're good, you're going to be able to go and see your friends. This way of conditioning your child and controlling your child. And I realized it's, it's easier. Maybe the way they raised me is easier in some way mm -hmm. because it eliminates all dialogue. Yes. <laughs> Dialogue is work. <laughs> dialogue means that you question the way you raise your kids. A dialogue means that you're ready to listen to them and consider that their word is as, is as important as yours. Some people talk of uh, adult domination upon children. I wouldn't say that. I don't think we dominate them. I think that adults are there to be a role model and to show them, you know, that they can say sorry, that they can question their own way of behaving. And I was far from, and I am far from being a perfect parent. I mean, I do get angry quite often, especially with my... Nobody's perfect. <laughs> my my <laughs> eldest child, who's 22, she just drives me bonkers sometimes. I mean, <laughs> why? <laughs> she has a way of behaving that just... Uh, gets me angry sometimes and I and I lose it <laughs> and it's always been that way with us we don't have three same I don't have three same children nobody has the same children we're not the same parent as mm -hmm. child. and I think when I when I became a parent as well I studied a lot of different types of uh, communication methods there's Faber and Maslisch there's Rosenberg, nonviolent communication, Aletha Salter, who's a Swiss-American psych psychologist who I studied mm -hmm. a lot too, and organized conferences with her and, and workshops and things like that with the association in, in Lyon. And I, so I took in a lot of information and I tried to apply a whole bunch of techniques. And I realized that it's not, it's not that simple. Of course, this, all this reading and all this information is, is very interesting. Uh, but you have to sort of take what you what seems logical to you and sometimes I tested things and realized that no I don't think um, it doesn't correspond with my way of communicating and sometimes you want a dialogue and sometimes sometimes you just have to say to the child that they have to stop what they're doing <laughs> yeah and as you said they're all different so something might work for one and not the other two or you know vice versa so I think it's very interesting as well because I imagine that as a parent, you have to adapt every single day and it's not going to work out perfectly. Exactly. And sometimes things become a little bit artificial when you read a method and try to apply it afterwards. It's so artificial that I know my eldest daughter once again just said, I, I must have tried after a workshop about Faber and Maslisch. It was the technique was to say, instead of saying to your child, listen, I'm fed up with your socks on the floor all the time, you know, pick up your socks. I just don't want your clothes hanging around anymore. The technique was to say, there's a sock on the floor in the hallway, you know, to say it really calmly like that. So I tried it. There's a sock in the hallway on the floor. 
And my daughter just said, Mom, just tell us what you want, you know? Just <laughs> she could tell that I was trying to use some other way of talking. That that's not my natural way of talking. I mean, our kids know us, don't they? So I just, you know, I gave up, gave up that method. And it just, you know, pick up that sock on the floor. <laughs> so <laughs> you might say that that's a bit authoritarian. But sometimes, you know, you just have to be efficient. And the kids just want to know what you want. And, of course, I think it's important to express our needs. You know, I, how many times do, have I told my kids, I need the house to be organized i need to you know this place to be tidy so that when people come over they don't feel like they're in a big pen you know <laughs> and so i would tell them i think you need a lot of humor when you have kids right because <laughs> if not it can be a war all the time you're always fighting about you know ways we live together because that's basically what parenting is it's living with other human beings who are completely different from you and who could care less that the house is a mess or not. It's not their house. Well, they don't consider that it's their house completely. So anyway, I think parenting is a whole, uh, it's a long experience and it's, and it's never over. <laughs> yes, for sure. And so you said that, you know, some of the techniques don't necessarily work or that you have to adapt them to your day to day. So would you say still it has had a very positive impact on your parenting style? to first even get interested in all you know education and conscious parenting I think you mentioned mm -hmm. is it something that you know had a, a positive impact on on your relationship with your sure child? sure of course anything that uh, yes and I think it helps to reconciliate with one's uh, own childhood and that's a major part of parenting too I mean, you don't just become a parent. You're not starting at zero when you become a parent. You've got your whole life history behind you mm -hmm. and the education that your parents received. And, you know, you've got generations of education. You just can't undo everything all at once. So I think reading helped me understand the, the education that I received and to realize that I just can't erase it completely and that at times this authoritarian part of me is going to come out. And that's okay. I mean... That doesn't mean I'm going to hit my kids. I may want to, though. I know that several times because I always had this threat that I was going to have receive a spanking. Yeah. You know, I had to admit that at times when I was really angry, I think maybe I gave, uh, I spanked my eldest child because, <laughs> because there's no excuse because I didn't know better. And I started reading other things afterwards and, and discovering that there's other ways of raising kids uh, than, than spanking them and and then so the other ones the second and third ones I don't think I ever spanked them ever but I really felt like doing it and sometimes I said to them you know your behavior makes me aggressive I, I feel I really I really have to hold myself back mm -hmm. I'm really angry you know <laughs> so what I'm telling you is maybe a bit taboo I don't think sometimes we want to admit that we have this violence in ourselves but we do but it's so important yeah and thank you for saying that because I think there's a lot of pressure on parents mm. uh, nowadays but no one's perfect mm. I mean it's okay to snap and to you know think about like yeah. something but then Yeah. Would you say knowing and having read a lot of books just helps you to control your emotions a little bit more or know how to react? I think that when we can name things, when we can name emotions, then we can control them a bit better. Yes. I think that the fact that I was getting angry and telling myself, just saying, you're, you're really angry, that helped me. 
But I don't know. There's sometimes when really I uh, I don't recognize myself. Sometimes I really there's something that hits me off, mm-hmm. and I think it's important. Maybe I should consult some specialist one day, or I'm not sure. But in any case, my kids are are interesting too because they say, "Mom, what's wrong? Like, why are you reacting that way?" Now they're now they're young adults now, right? So. We have this dialogue. Why are you reacting this way? Why are you saying no to my idea? Or, you know, when they're teenagers, they have these, these ideas sometimes. I'm going to go to a party. I'm going to come back in three days. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll call you maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it goes very fast. <laughs> and, you know, there's an age where you just can't control what your kids are. You don't know where they are always. You don't always know what they're doing. And I know that when they became adolescents, I felt like I was becoming a parent once again, because everything was questioned over again. It's like I taught them to be independent. I taught them to make their own decisions. I taught them to think about their own decisions and and be responsible for their own decisions. And now they're telling me that they're going, they're going to hitchhike across the country with somebody that they hardly know. How am I going to react? And am I going to say, no. You can't. You stay at home. I'm going to lock you in your room. <laughs> or am I going to cultivate trust and say, okay, are you confident? Do you feel okay with this person? And I'll give them several precautions and types of advice. But I know that at one point I have to let go. And that's probably one of the hardest things about being a parent. Now, Julie, I feel like I'm talking in all different directions. No, it, it's very interesting. I think it's also a problem that a lot of people are experiencing. And, you know, I can also hear my mom. <laughs> um, and I can think about maybe uh-huh. her internal reaction when I was telling her, oh, by the way, I'm moving to Mexico <laughs> or things like that. You know, There was a bit of resistance at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> and of course, I mean, yes. But so, yeah, I think it's, it's very interesting. And this is also to say that education is never sort of done and sorted it's just a progress and I I feel from what you say it's different phases you know it's just renewing yourself and exactly but it's very difficult to be a parent of a very young child really Mm -hmm. I found that period very difficult when the child is two three four years old when they when you've got I had two children who were 20 months apart so that was really uh, a difficult period and I think if I created this association and work on this magazine it's also to reassure parents to tell them your life is tough (laughs) this is really not easy (laughs) it's wonderful I mean I think in so many magazines and so many media you see these wonderful mothers who are they manage to put makeup every day and make three meals, complete meals with the, you know, the entry, the main dish and the dessert and smile. No, it's not realistic. I don't think it's realistic. Like mm. what parent has three kids that sit down at the table and they're happy about what they're going to eat. <laughs> you have to deal with <laughs> small things all the time, yeah. but all this resistance and, and that's it. Kids, kids grow up through this resistance. They grow up through saying no. They grow up through, they, they create their identity through saying, I don't like what you're giving me. I don't like what you want me to put on this for as, you know, what the pants that you want me to put on today. No, it's like no, no, no to everything. And you always have to, um, I wouldn't say negotiate. I don't know if everything is negotiable with children. Mm. Uh, to Maybe what point, don't take it personally. Yeah, not take it personally. Exactly, exactly. 
but um, find resources as well because it's just so exhausting when you're you're living with these kids who are uh, taking all your energy you can't even go to the toilet peacefully <laughs> because they're always asking you something they're always always asking you things and I hated when I was a young mother when older parents would say to me oh it goes so quickly you'll see in a few years it'll be behind you it'll be over and I hate to admit but it's a bit true uh, you know it's a bit of a blur now but I try to remember constantly that yeah that period was was tough especially when the the mother is alone a lot when the father works a lot is not at home a lot uh, which was my case mm -hmm. and it was a choice I mean <laughs> it was a choice to raise the kids and and be with them as much as possible and I don't regret it at all but if you ask me what was the you know the hardest part of your life I think it's when my kids were small and um, and I just uh, felt sometimes that I didn't have space for myself and time for myself and it's it's really important to mm -hmm. to organize how can you know my question how can we organize our society differently so that parents can have a break you know have a break just to find pleasure with being in being with their kids once again. Mm. But again, I think that I had this fascination about the kids that kept me intellectually active. And so I studied and questioned other parents and, and tried to make the best of, of that period and, and, and get through and get through the rest. <laughs> I think yes. that as well, what surprised me a lot when my kids became adolescents, when they became teenagers is that I thought that because I had, done so well during their early childhood that I had studied so much and and uh, managed to change my way of being a mother compared to to my my own mother I thought well when they become teenagers it's going to be so easy because I did everything right <laughs> and then I was so surprised that when when no actually it was not that easy now I have three girls with the last with our last one things seems to be quite peaceful she's almost 17 and I don't at all have the same questions because maybe we have more questions with the first we go through. I mean, the first child makes you go through a, a new series of questions, but they, diff they have different personalities. Mm -hmm. And the youngest one is um, an easier personality too, and, and doesn't uh, mm. doesn't go out as much as the other ones. The other ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I felt it's the same for me because I'm the the eldest, and so I felt that I really had to push the boundaries and be the the one to go out and. My siblings so far are not party animals or whatever. Not that I am anymore, but, right. you know, I think as the first one, you kind of like have this duty mm. of just pushing the boundaries for, for them to be able to, to, yeah. to go out afterwards. I don't know. I think it's, right. yeah, I think it's definitely easier for them to go out. So maybe they do it less. Yeah. I don't know. But I wanted to ask you whether you think that you've, sort of like had more pressure on because you're running a magazine mm -hmm. talking about parenting and things like that. Is wow. there any type of personal judgment or even just judgment from people mm. in your life or more pressure? Well, I make jokes about it because, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm the one supposed to be giving advice. Ten years ago, I was doing radio shows where I, I was asking, you know, interviewing specialists on parenting and that. So, I mean... Yeah, I've become sort of a reference on on parenting. So yeah, maybe there's a there's a, I have my kids saying to me, yeah, you have a magazine for parents. You write articles for parents, and look at how you talk to me. Do you realize I'm going to write to your readers? <laughs> God. <laughs> okay. So the pressure is not really from 
friends, but mostly from my kids. Yeah, it's like, why are you writing about nonviolent communication? Look how you're talking to me. <laughs> well, nobody's say, perfect. <laughs> I, say, I say to them, I know I need help. That's why I write articles because I'm still looking for answers. <laughs> and I want to help other parents to find a few answers for themselves, right? But uh, no, with uh, my colleague Anne, uh, who also has three girls who are younger than mine. We, we off, often joke about that. And especially through this magazine, we don't give advice that much. We give, we, we're journalists, so we transmit information. That's our main job. And we interview and do reportage in, in places where they do innovative projects with children. And so we don't consider that we're experts. We sort of become experts over the years because we've learned so much. And so we have a lot of information but that doesn't make of me or of Anne a perfect parent. Our intention is maybe to better ourselves, but <laughs> but it's uh, like we were saying, it's a constant uh, experience, a never-ending experience. But anyway, I don't put pressure on myself, and I'm very happy to admit that I'm more of a hysterical mother than, than most. <laughs> yeah I mean I recognize myself in that as well because that's exactly also what I'm trying to do I'm not an expert yet I might never be you know but it's also about learning and just asking myself questions and I'm on a different spectrum because I don't have kids and I guess that's you know it's completely different but for me you can definitely learn about education before like years before and you will still have yeah. so much to learn when you're exactly. actually raising kids so yeah but I think that the key anyway the attitude that I've always taken on and that I love observing among other parents not to judge them just because I try maybe to help parents look at their kids just look at them and observe them and even when I was a young mother in parks, I think, uh, you know, we would be, my kids would be playing in the park and I would let them do a lot of things that other parents wouldn't let them do. That means that I would let them climb up the slide. You know, I don't know if it's French or something because, you know, there's a culture difference as well. But in France, mothers can't stand or fathers too can't stand that their children climb up a slide. Mm -hmm. That was never a problem for me in Canada. Climb up a slide. You make room for the other person. Of course, you don't climb up if somebody's coming down. But I would let my kids climb up because I always found it fascinating to climb up a slide. I mean, you really have to climb for your body, for, you know, physically, that requires quite a bit of coordination. It's a bit of a challenge in a park. And there's sometimes these principles and, and my, ch my kids would touch everything. They would you know, take rocks, even put the rocks in their mouths when they were small and that. And I knew they weren't going to swallow a rock. I mean, they were just putting it in their mouth. And and the mothers would get hysterical. Ah, your kid has a rock in his mouth. <laughs> Everything's fine. It just rained. So, I mean, I think the rock is not that dirty. And if it's a little bit dirty, it's okay. I mean, the mouth cleans itself. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm a little bit unconscious right <laughs> anyway no that's uh, I agree with you I'm exaggerating a bit but I would let my kids yeah be rather free in a park in a place that was secure of course I don't let them run around on the road of course there, there are certain rules that they have to follow I, I attach them when they go in the car but if they didn't want to put their shoes on because I mean I remember one of my daughters the last one she hated having new shoes I mean it was just drama every time we had to buy her new shoes because she wanted to keep her old shoes and we've been being winter 
and she would have her <laughs> sandals on. Like beginning winter, she didn't want to let go of her summer sandals because she had gotten used to those shoes and she didn't want to get rid of them and put clothes shoes on her boots. And so I remember once I said, okay, you don't want to put your shoes on? I'm sorry, you're going to have to walk barefoot. We had to get out of the car. We had to go to a place. You're going to have to walk barefoot if you don't want me to put these shoes on you. Well, she walked barefoot. Of course, everybody looked at me. Ah, your child has a, is barefoot on the road. It's dangerous. There could be glass. I said, don't worry. I'm watching. I'm looking if there's glass. I think after a few minutes, she's going to put her shoes on. <laughs> but I cannot force these shoes on her feet. It's just too violent. She doesn't want these shoes. So she walked a few feet and she ended up putting the shoes on and everything was fine. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you have to be uh, resourceful. You have to be resourceful. You have to have a sense of humor. You have to not worry about what people are going to say. Mm. Uh, it's like, you know, often there's the example of uh, my child wants to wear a summer dress in winter. Okay, we'll let your kid go outside in the summer dress in winter and see what happens. I don't think they're going to keep the dress on that long. <laughs> But also, I think, you know, parents also should be able to smile at you and be, oh, she lost a battle today. You know, it's fine. <laughs> you see, like, because yeah. it happens yeah. to everyone. So at some point, why are you trying to shame a parent? Yeah. I think it's also probably, you know, from your inner self project, mm. that mom that you see. I don't know. I think there's some spaces where you can be flexible and let things happen. And there's some spaces where there's there are times when I just have convictions, personal convictions. I don't want my child to stick their tongue out to an adult, for example. For me, it's just impossible. Mm. And so I tell my child, you know, I'm not going to punish the child. But if ever I saw one of my girls, for example, stick their tongue out or speak badly to somebody, I never push them to say hello systematically to people. I would say it for them if they were uncomfortable. But, you know, as a model, they would learn to say hello uh, when they grew up. But there's some things for me are, that are just impossible. It's because my job is to teach them how to live with other people, how to live in society, mm -hmm. how to live in harmony with other people. So sticking your tongue out at an adult or even at another child, for me, is a condition. It's, a, uh, it's something that I don't accept. So I think that parents have to listen to themselves, too. I mean, listen to your, your, own, your own beliefs, your own values. And that's what we have to transmit to our, our kids as well. And, and I'll say to my child, no, you can't stick your tongue out at an adult. And that's it. It's not negotiable. Yeah, yeah like set boundaries and also just like the rules of respect for everyone to follow, right? So yeah, I really, I really like that. There are codes in society to get along with each other, to live in harmony with each other. And maybe some parents don't have those codes. And so they can't transmit them. For one mother, she could care less if her kid sticks her tongue out, the, the tongue out at an adult. I can't change that mother, but I know that for me it's important. She'll have other values. That other mother or father will have other values that are important to them. Well, they should defend them. Mm. If, if they're values that go in the sense of what the well-being of other people, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying uh, uh, transmit the value of uh, hitting other people. That's <laughs> No, I'm talking about <laughs> values that help and kids and people live together in society without violence in peace for the well-being of each mm. person makes sense and i also wanted to talk about what we call in french ordinary educational violences violence mm -hmm. um, and so we already mentioned blackmail earlier but i was wondering what's your point of view on these and if you can talk a little bit more about this subject right 
Well, there was a whole campaign in France about about spanking, about people were quite shocked. And it's a quite uh, sensitive subject in France. I don't get involved in uh, exchanges on on Facebook, for example, about spanking, because it's an endless, endless conversation. People will say, oh, giving your kid a, a slap or a slap on the hand is not really violence. You know, they're not going to be traumatized. Of course, they're not going to be traumatized. And the times that I hit my kids or, or yelled at them because I think it's very violent to yell at your kids. And I've done that a lot. <laughs> What's important is to come back and, and say, listen, I'm sorry, I, I lost control. I lost control. And I didn't really, you know, I was angry for such a reason, or maybe I'm tired or whatever. But I don't think we should minimize the fact that uh, we hit a child because it's, it's, un, it's unfair. It's unfair for somebody who's stronger to hit somebody who's weaker. And an adult, of course, uh, hitting a two-year-old, a three-year-old, or even a 10-year-old or 12-year-old, is it's unfair. There's something that's unfair. It's a way of taking control. And at the same time, like I said earlier, we can't erase our family history. We can't erase the education that we received, uh, like we erase a, a blackboard. It's just impossible. So everybody does their best. I'm glad that in France, those violences, those acts of violence are now against the law. A parent can't spank their child. I think it's a good thing because when we observe in countries that have uh, created this law uh, 30 years ago, I mean, in Sweden, for example, when you talk to adults, when you tell them that in France, parents spank their children, they just, they don't even know what a spanking means. They've never heard that word. I mean, they don't know what it is. They're just so surprised. So I think it's it's unfortunate to have to create a law mm-hmm. against such violence. I mean, it's so obvious that we that we shouldn't uh, hit children. Mm. And now they're talking about obviously the physical violence like spanking, but they also introduced mm-hmm. all the other types of violence that I think for the most part is like is very quite common. I think and less obvious than spanking, like for example the blackmail or manipulation or even forcing your kid to to eat, for example, or to do something like that, like to finish their plates. So I think it's good that they also mm-hmm. raise awareness on all of these and that, you know, recognize that they can, can have a, a very long-term impact on the kid as well. Yeah. And probably, you know, condition them in some way. And what I like is that they try to sort of like shift your point of view and be like, would you do that to an adult? Would you yes. have your husband right. or partner finish his plate? Right. Or, you know, like things like that. So what do you think about all of that? I often say to my kids, blackmail is not good, but it works. <laughs> but it's just a joke. <laughs> I, didn't, yes. I didn't use blackmail with my kids, but I think that despite ourselves, we manipulate our children. We, we don't want to, but we do. Mm-hmm. Even when we say, I'm going to give them a choice. My child has to wear a pair of pants today because it's cold outside. Do you want to wear the blue pants or the brown pants? I mean, <laughs> yes, we're sort of, you know, guiding them. But that's not nasty. I mean, we're not hurting our children no. by doing that, are we? But saying uh, you have to eat or you won't have your birthday present. Yes, that's it could be cruel. It could be cruel, and of course, but I wouldn't dramatize on blackmail if it happens from from time to time. Of course, we'd love all parents to be psychologists and and really be able to interpret their child's behavior. And when they have, uh, when they break down, when they're crying, when they're having a fit in the supermarket, of course, we'd all we'd love parents to just go and say, 
let's have a hug and just to be happy and we'll finish the, the shopping and we'll go to the park. Of course, we'd all love to have mm -hmm. these techniques. For the supermarket, I would say to my kids, okay, I know being in a supermarket is not easy. When we're finished, we'll go to the park. Mm -hmm. That's because I read it somewhere. I mean, I didn't invent the idea myself, but it, it, it's helpful. Yeah. We can't imagine all parents knowing how to do that unless they go to parenting school. What are we going to do? Take them there? We we see with the magazine that, you know, of course, 100% of the parents aren't subscribed to our magazine. Some parents look at my magazine and wonder why it exists. Why do I need a magazine to teach me how to be a parent? And, you know, what I do is fine. I mean, that's coming from a mother who would say, if you've got good marks at school, I'll give you a, I'll give you a euro according to uh, the mark you have. Mm. You have 14 out of 20. Well, you have 14 euros. That's blackmail. Oh, for sure. That's blackmail. But who am I to tell parents what they're supposed to do and how to do it? <laughs> Maybe the kids love that challenge. Maybe the kids love money and they want to have that challenge. Recently, I have a friend, though, that didn't give their child presents because she wasn't good during the year oh. for Christmas. Well, Santa Claus didn't. Then oh. this friend told me that the child received presents aside. But there weren't any presents under, under the Christmas tree for her. And this is so sad. I found that very sad. <sighs> yeah. But who am I? I mean, to tell parents. Mm -hmm. You don't know what they're going through ultimately on a, on a daily basis, but it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit sad. Was I a good child? Because my parents told me that I had to be a good child. If I wasn't, then I'd be punished. Mm. I, I don't think so. I don't think I was good for that reason. Yeah. You know, these questions are, are complicated. It's very complicated. For sure. Of course, we'd, we'd love all parents to have a different way of, of doing it. We'd, but when I saw how difficult it was to be a parent of an, how difficult it was when my kids became teenagers, I thought, wow, maybe, maybe I was too kind to them. Maybe I listened to them too much. Maybe I didn't set their boundaries right. Maybe I should have done blackmail. <laughs> like I'm not pro-blackmail, but sometimes I think maybe I should, maybe I should have been a little bit harder on them to teach them how to go through stress because I think that sometimes we want them to really live zero stress and we're told by psychologists today that if you scream at your child you're killing their this part of their brain behind the you know the frontal the neofrontal brain I don't know exactly the terms in, in English so you imagine that when you scream at your child that you're actually destroying their brain that's an awful awful vision And of course, uh, I don't have the intention to damage my child's brain when I'm angry. Of course not. But later in life, they're going to have to deal with stress. And when I see uh, teenagers that arrive at high school and are, are so stressed out about the environment because there's so many students and the teachers don't know their name, whereas when they were in primary school, all the teachers knew them when they were in college and in, in middle school. All the teachers knew them and here they are in a new environment. Nobody knows them. And, They just can't handle the stress. And then they start smoking weed and uh, <laughs> drinking alcohol. And you think, wow, um, may maybe it's uh, not such a good idea to, to be overprotective and overperfect when they're kids. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should make more mistakes just so that they have to deal with, uh, with real life, you know. The, I, I don't have answers. The, those are questions that I, I ask myself at this point. Yeah. I think, you know. My, I mean, my kids have turned out fine and they'll be fine in life. But I know that when they became teenagers, there was a dose of stress that they just couldn't deal with. Mm -hmm. You know, I, was a, I wasn't a mother who said yes to everything. And I often said no. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I often said no, and I, I'm, I don't agree that you shouldn't say no to a child. Some people are going to say, never say no to a child, you're going to be, you know, uh, give them an option. No, I don't agree. Sometimes they just, you know, just no is no. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, uh, and so I wasn't a super, super uh, open mother who let everything know. I mean, they had to deal with some stress when they were kids, but it's tough. We have to yeah. be careful. Yeah, we have to give them arms. For sure. You know, when they're kids. When my children will be mothers themselves, I'm not going to tell them, you know, create a situation where they're going to feel frustrated just so they get through it. No, I'll do it on purpose. But of course, I know my kids they wanted to play video games and wanted to watch TV. For us, they were really, when they were younger, there were limits and they were frustrated to not continue their game. And and all that is is good. And I think it's important to to realize that sometimes have to say no to your child because you don't want them to play their video game any longer, but also so that they can get through that that frustration. They can find in themselves the resources that they have to get through that crisis and go and find mm-hmm. something else to do. Yeah, more on the like, solution-oriented. Yes, yeah, so they can find their own solutions. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they build up great strategies to get what they want. And that's very good for them. You know, just saying no means they have to find they're going to start negotiating and maybe they're going to convince us to, to have what they want. But what I wanted to say is that because we were talking about blackmail, of course, like, I'm just repeating what I said earlier, of course, uh, that's part of things that could be violent. That's part of things that could be traumatizing. I know that when I was a kid, I had to do housework. I had to clean the bathroom every weekend. It had to be spick and span, really perfectly clean. And if I didn't do that, I couldn't go and see my friends. So that was, was that blackmail? It wasn't really blackmail. It was sort of setting conditions. It was setting up a family relationship where uh, you can have what you want, but on one condition that you do the work that we ask you to do. And I find it's pretty fair, finally. What's unfair is that when I didn't do my work, I would be punished for like a month couldn't watch tv for a month mm-hmm. i couldn't go and see my friends for a month and that's where i found it a little bit hard you know i wouldn't do for that sure. for my kids that yeah, that's uh that's the education i received that's the education a lot of people my age receive yeah, like. for sure and yeah i think also when you don't have any anything to refer to again it's it's complicated and you just I think it's why I told you this already but I think once you discover conscious parenting and things like that there are certain things that you can't go back to right but you have to first come across these articles these books these content (laughs) so finally do you have any advice that you would like to share (laughs) I have a feeling that I've said a lot of different things in different directions just to prove that being a parent is just uh something that continues and that questions me constantly uh, advice is to listen to oneself to listen to one's convictions to remind oneself that the role of the parent is not to control the child but to help the child grow and be a happy person and discover their personality and to do that the first step is to watch your child to know your child to discover their talents and to to help them uh, grow up in this in this world that's a bit complicated especially right now 
and then not to have a perfect model. There's no no perfect parent, but I think there are a lot of people on your podcast, Julie, that that say the same thing. I think we need a lot of forgiveness and a lot of tenderness for ourselves mm-hmm. as parents to be able to transmit that to our children too. Yes, and that's not easy for sure. That's not always easy, but it's rewarding. To have a, you have to have a lot of sense of humor. <laughs> I think, like I said earlier, and to protect yourselves, to have time to get away from your kids and, and, you know, and if you put the TV on because, or or a movie or something, because you're tired and, and they're asking to watch something, don't feel too guilty. I mean, we need our time to protect ourselves and and protecting ourselves and resourcing ourselves is something that really helps you for sure in the long term. Mm. So we will put the link to the magazine in the description box so that If you're French or even if you want to practice your French, you can subscribe and there's a PDF version as well. That's right. That's right. That people would be able to receive when they subscribe. So Mm -hmm. if you want to have a look, we'll have all the resources and also the methods that you talked about uh, before below. Thank you so much for everything, Elizabeth. It was very interesting. And I think it's also it just feels good to hear you talk about the way that, you know, you're not perfect but you're not also pretending to be and I think it's it feels very good to hear that and we should all be more open you know I would love to hear more parents talking like you just did because I think it's very interesting so thank you so much thank you Julie thank you thank you so much for listening feel free to share if you think it might be helpful to someone you know If you enjoyed this episode, then please make sure to write a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and subscribe if you haven't already. That's it for me. See you soon with the next episode. And in the meantime, have a lovely day. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.